So what, we watch anime So what, we play League We're just having fun We don't care who sees So what, we stay in It don't bother me Living young, pale and nerdy Hello and welcome to the Reaton Entertainment Podcast Episode 60 for June 26th 2016. My name is Nathan Reeton-Spruth, and joining me this week, we have Parallax Abstraction. Yellow. Oh, yeah, you're, I could say your name, Jerry Corcoran, too, but eh, whatever. Eh, that too. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's, what we normally do is the, uh, what, what games have you been playing recently? Yes, indeed. Um, well, I, uh, Blitz finally blitzed through the majority of the division this week. Uh, <laughs> I got that game right around launch and then got way too busy to play it. Um, so I started it during the uh, my Extra Life telethon stream a couple of weeks ago. Didn't get too far in it and sort of gave up at that point. Um, but I started it again when I was sort of I've been sort of second screening it with other stuff and I got through it uh, last night. Uh, beat the story and then immediately uninstalled it. Um, didn't like it, to, huh? Well, I wanted to beat the game because I bought it, but the game is literally Destiny New York City Edition. And though I played Destiny for way too many hours when it came out, I realized I really don't like Destiny. And uh, this is pretty much that. And there was an article a little while ago talking about how its uh, online community had dropped by something like 92%. Um, which was completely true because finding pubs to match with for story mode missions was really tough. I did prop well over half of them by uh, solo, which they're not really made for. And I only managed to find full parties for the, the end game missions, basically. Um, and yeah, I tried to do a little bit of the Dark Zone stuff, but the Dark Zone on PC is full of hackers. So, which is why a lot of the community dropped off. So, yeah, I finished it and I was like, yep, all right, well, done with this idea. Yeah, <laughs> but, they, so, they I, either hack or they do exploits, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, but I got 33 gigs back on my SSD because of that, so that was all right. That's uh, always I mean, nice. For, peop for people who are into the Destiny formula, and a lot of people are, it would probably be pretty good. But, yeah, that, that doesn't do it for me uh, at all. And uh, I did... <laughs> Though we might talk about this in the show, I don't know, but I I have a video rendering as I speak for uh, Mighty Number no. Nine, which finally came out this week, and uh, which I sadly was a backer of. Um, my video my video is fairly long, but it will go into detail. But I don't think it's necessarily as bad as some critics have been saying, but it's pretty bad. Uh, definitely. There are games made by single-person indie teams for like a fiftieth of what this game raised on Kickstarter that are way better. So, like uh, Super Meat Boy, Super Meat Boy, or even if you want a game that plays more like Mega Man, there's a game in early access called Twenty XX, which is like a Mega Man-style game with that's also a roguelike. So it has like permadeath and randomized levels and stuff, but it's a lot better. The Mega Man Legacy Collection, which is Mega Man 1 through 6, is on the PC and consoles. I mean, those are really good. There's like there's a million indie platformers out there on the PC right now, and so many of them are better than this. That just sucks. Uh, it's a bummer. Like I, I, you know, this is one of the behind the the mind. Or it's from the mind of one of the guys behind Mega Man originally, and. Yeah, I had high hopes for it, but I mean, it's had, you know, it's been delayed a million times. It was like three years late. It had a massive visual downgrade. Uh, 
you know, there was a lot of controversy in the community uh, about it, and it's just... And then there was the trailer. Yeah, well, that trailer, yeah, that trailer, oh my god. That um, trailer was so bad. The, the trailer where they said something about, like, your virgin, a virgin's basement, like, something about anime in a virgin's basement or something like that. Uh, no, like, it was like, uh, this game, uh, this game is gonna, what was it? It was something, uh, yeah. And, and I didn't get something offended. About, something about an, an, something about an anime, this game is something, something like an anime fan on prom night. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's just like the level, the thing is, the way, if I were to describe it, and I say this in the video, it, it was basically... It, it, they took all of the old school elements of Mega Man that have not aged well and based the game pretty much entirely around that and then added a few modern elements to it that just don't fit and like don't that don't that don't add anything good like it just it feels like a game stuck in the 80s except it has a like mid 2000s production value to it and Weird. uh like the story's badly written, the voice acting is unbelievably terrible. Like it's super cringeworthy. Uh, the the you can actually switch between like a modern and a retro style soundtrack. The retro soundtrack's actually pretty good. The modern one is bad. It's it's really really bad. Uh, it run like it has excess. Like it it looks like a, an early Xbox Live Arcade game, but on my beast of a computer, it has frame rate problems on the PC. Uh, it's just it yeah, sounds like a good game a sounds overall. like a good game it's it just blows my mind when i see games like 20xx that are made by i think it's either one person or like two or three people for like no money and this game was made by like a huge team of people it took longer to make than some AAA games do and it raised over four times the amount of money it wanted on kickstarter and it's this bad like this is yeah. like tim schaefer level of badly managed project it's no uh, no I don't know it. I haven't tried it, so I I don't really have high hopes for it. So maybe it would be better for me because I wasn't really expecting much anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I've met some of the people on the staff and all that. Uh, when I went to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, I actually hung out with one of the. Uh, I think it was just like a PR guy or something. Uh, Okay. I forget his name, but he was super nice and like trying to like pitch the game and everything. And they had a playable demo, and the playable demo was okay. But mm -hmm. it apparently it didn't it, it didn't go very well from the demo into the full game. Yeah, it just feels like uh, th this was a game, and and I mean it has a weird history. Like originally, Concept, which is Inafune's company that that kickstarted it, originally they were saying they were going to develop it, but they ended up sourcing the development out to Inti Creates, which is another Japanese studio that has done some good stuff, to be fair. But yeah. uh, for whatever reason, you know, Concept didn't end up developing it. And uh, it's it's just, it took so long. And just, you know, despite the amount of money they raised, it's taken forever. It's been delayed a million times and it ended up looking notably worse than it was promised as. Like it had the kind of, you know, visual downgrade that Ubisoft always takes shit for, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. It's, it's on that level. And it just feels like, uh, because, you know, what, the, what I said in my video was a, a few years ago, Capcom themselves, and I think Inafune might have been behind them, actually, released uh, Mega Man 9 and 10 on the 360 and PS3, which were actually downloadable games done in, like, th they looked and sounded like NES games, but they were new games. Oh, I yeah. I think this yeah. would have been much better suited to that. Like Battle uh, Kit? Type of thing. 
Yeah, like it was, it, it just would have been suited, I think, if they did it in that retro style, because a lot of the people who backed this, you know, did it out of nostalgia for Mega Man. I think if they made it look like one of those older Mega Man games, it would have been much cooler and they could have done it, you know, obviously much more easily for less money, but they tried to, they tried to take that very simple 2D gameplay and give it a, a modern coat of graphics and it just, I don't know. It doesn't blend well, in in my opinion. And it's just does like, it blend? Those are mushy. No. They don't respond very well. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. It's just too bad. Like I I wanted this to be good, but you know, all indications were that it wasn't going to be. But yeah, games like this and uh, you know, Broken Age and some other ones like that are why I kind of largely don't kickstart anything anymore. And that's kind of too bad that some of these these players are kind of you know poisoning the well for everybody. Right. Um, but, have you played you know, anything else this week? I just started Mirror's Edge Catalyst uh, today. I only did the little the little beginning bits of it. Um, that that game also kind of fl- came out without much fanfare. It has been getting kind of middling reviews. Uh, but if it's if it's if it holds the spirit of the original, the Mirror's Edge, then I'm I'm I know I'm gonna like it. But I only just began it, so PC version seems good. That's all I can say at this point. Yeah. I uh I played it on the Xbox One I believe because I got a code mm-hmm. for it when when it was still in beta. Yeah, and it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would pay sixty bucks for it. Yeah, but uh, probably twenty or thirty. I'm kind of cheap though, so. Well, and like I, I just have a, I just, I, I'm one of those people who has a a really big fondness for the original Mirror's Edge. If I didn't, I probably would have waited too. So yeah. And, uh, yeah. but the games I've been playing this week, I played some Rocket League. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm actually pretty good at Rocket League. I've gotten to the point where I can do quite a bit. Like I am okay at the game. Actually and, able to pull off a few stunt shots here and there. Yeah. 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 Like I can do aerials and do oh, pretty nice. good saves and everything. Uh, okay. but I am, as I've told you before the podcast, I am not at my house this weekend. I'm actually at my sister's house. And I brought my computer, but I didn't bring everything for my computer. So the microphone I'm using right now isn't the normal microphone that I use. Uh, and I forgot a controller. Oops. <laughs> so I, I played it with my friend, and, and I did okay still. But using a mouse and keyboard, is just don't do it in that game. It's awful. I was going to say, that would be, with how that game plays, that would be quite the thing. <laughs> yeah, so I was... I was still, like, I was uh, adjusting to the crap factor of the controls, but I, and I was better than my friends, because they, it was like, Chris has barely played it, he's played it like four times, and then my other friend was playing it, and it was his first time, so I was still better than them, but I was not doing very well. It, it made <laughs> me ashamed. Um, I also played some Call of Duty Black Ops, and I'm terrible at Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Mm. Um, I just played that because I have a friend that um, wanted to play it, and the they're a while back. I think in February they had like a multiplayer pack. You just buy the multiplayer for fifteen bucks. Oh, the starter edition or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up getting that, and they discontinued. They don't do that anymore for some reason. No, it was a temporary thing. They did something like that with Rainbow Six Siege too, and I think that was also temporary, which is weird. Yeah, so I got that for fifteen bucks, and it's it's all right. I just I don't like Twitch. Like, um, the original Call of Duties were like kind of slow and methodical and all that jazz. Like, you, it wasn't much Twitch based stuff. 
mm-hmm. at least from what I remember. Right. And in Call of Duty, like they progressively got more to the point where they're just like Twitch-based shooters, just more yeah. and more Twitch-based. Uh, yeah, very fast, demanding, very quick reactions. Yeah, yeah, and I and I like those kind of. I'm just really bad at them. I'm I'm more. I like the slower pace, which is kind of like a, a Overwatch. It's a little slower paced, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Team yeah. Fortress Two or Halo. So I like those. I'm just not good at the, the ones that require me to have, great reaction time because I'm getting old. <laughs> Even I, when I wasn't old, I just couldn't react as fast as some people. As well, and then also you good at it. Also, you like I never played the games as much, so I go into a deathmatch thing and. I can't do anything, and everyone has the maps so well known. They have everything that they they just do everything exactly the same every game. They know what they're doing, uh, and mm. I just never have done that. I've never liked them enough to do that. I also played a little bit of Dead by Daylight. Oh, is that the um, is that like the weird like horror movie hide and seeky kind of deal? Yes, it is hide and seek uh, yes. for your PC. And it's it's pretty fun. Basically, you either play as one of the survivors, you play as one of four survivors, um, or you play as the killer in a horror movie, basically. And so far, all you do is either you hide, you try to start generators if you're a survivor, and if you start enough generators, they give you an exit to leave. Uh, okay. I've never actually survived. I always get caught. But... Um, and as the killer, obviously you're just trying to kill people. So you do go and you, you can like chainsaw someone and then grab him and then put him on a meat hook and sacrifice them to your evil gods. And when you like put them on a meat hook, it's not like they can be rescued, right? If one of the other players gets them, it's not like an instant kill, right? Right. They can be rescued, but it's incredibly difficult. I wish the survivors could do something. They can't really do anything to the monster. Yeah, all they can do... I, I've seen a, a little bit of uh, footage of this, and I've, I've heard that it's sold really well, though it's apparently a, a real buggy mess. Is, is yeah, it's bas- it, yeah, it's basically early access, but they actually released the game. But they flipped um, the switch, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, people were saying that it that it is uh, a, a very simple concept at its core, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the idea is that the survivors really have no no power whatsoever, which is... I, I'm a big fan of a, mo- uh, a a mod for Half-Life that came out a while ago called The Hidden, which is very much that like 4v1 thing. But yeah. we like that one a lot more because it's um, The Hidden is much more a, uh, well, it's, it's like military people against this sort of like paranormal creature thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's very much, uh, you, you can fight back. And in fact, you have to, but this doesn't sound like you can do that. So there are things you can do, like you can get a flashlight. Um, there's, so as a survivor, there's boxes randomly spread around the, uh, uh, the campsite or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And you open the boxes and you can get something like a flashlight. And if you take the flashlight and shine it in the monster's eyes, um, their screen just becomes white for like five seconds. Like you can do little things like that. So it's not like you're completely helpless. Um, you can also hide in... Uh, like they have tool cabinets or whatnot that are just hanging out, and you can hide in those until they catch you. Uh, oh, okay. I've, I've pulled people out of those before. 
Um, you get a lot more points if you, like, because they have a leveling up system where you can get different skills. And uh, you get a lot more points as the monster than if you kill everyone than you do as a survivor. Um, oh, okay. But I, I, I think that if you do more stuff as a survivor, like start the generators, um, which when you do a generator, uh, you'll the little bar will slowly come across, and then they'll like appear a circle that will slowly it'll like move around and indicate a point where you have to press the space bar to do like a skill check. Uh, if okay. you don't do the skill check, then the generator has an issue and like makes a blow up kind of noise in which the monster is able to see where the generator is that is having issues. So you kind of have to run away at that point. Right. Um, you can get chests and stuff like that. So it's not a bad game. It's just, uh, they need to do a lot of work. Like right now they have a kill your friends thing, which is you could just, you and, you know, five, four of your friends hop into a game and you just try to murder your friends. But they don't have one where you can join as you and three three of your friends play survivors against someone. Like, you can't oh, just, okay. you can't just like, have a party and then go into a matchmaking thing. Right. So that is kind of mm. a pain. I would like, yeah. I would like to have that. And they are coming out with it. They just don't have it ready yet. Uh, right. Before we get into the stories that um, I want to talk about, uh, you you kind of reminded me a little bit earlier of something, though you may not have noticed. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I didn't mention anything, so that too. So, okay. Ghostbusters. Oh, yes. Um, they have released the Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters theme song, and... Uh-huh. The article I was reading on it was the person from Gizmodo made me want to reach through my monitor and strangle the person. You don't say. Because the person's like, oh, the song's actually pretty good, but sexist people are going to hate the song just because they're sexist and they don't like the movie because there's women in the film. Now, I want to say, <sighs> I, I'm looking at this movie and I don't think it's going to be a good movie. Like, and that has nothing nope. to do with any of the four women as the lead characters. That doesn't bother me. The, I think that could actually be done well. But oh yeah, yeah. This is this is not that. <laughs> like, I if they had like even just like Dan Aykroyd and I don't know what the black guy's name was. <laughs> Ernie Hudson. <laughs> Ernie Hudson. Uh, if they had if they had them two as like kind of leading like taking being like we need a new group of ghostbusters yeah you know, hit, passing the torch you yeah know? but now yeah. they have they're just doing a reboot yeah and so it, it wasn't making me happy in general and then they came out with the theme song see i have not listened to the new theme song yet simply because it's bad i like i i'm actually a fan of the original but it had nothing to do with the fact that i think the movie's gonna suck i just saw the words fallout boy and nope the fuck out <laughs> i was like like i looked at the theme song like who was doing the theme song and then i listened to it and i was like they're doing everything in their power to make me hate this movie yeah i'm like could you have picked 
number one, something so unbelievably, you know, contradictory to like, I could think of a, a large number of different like electronic musicians who could who could have done a, a cool new version of that because that song, I mean, it came from the 80s originally. And I mean, a lot of 80s pop was very, you know, early electronic yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. I could think of a lot of different electronic artists who could do an awesome version of that. But I think this friggin' like pop, punk thing i'm like how no you know like, you know i i can think of i i think a lot of, i think ska like i don't know if you you listen to ska yeah. or not a lot no, i think I, ska I would is, be yeah. i think ska yeah. would be because it's an 80s song and yeah. if anyone listens to ska they know that 80s band or 80s music a lot of ska bands like taking that and just doing like a remix thing of it and oh, it sounds yeah. it usually I, sounds really good and that, yeah, that, that, that would be cool. And that would be neat and different, you know, instead they just took some, some, you know, some modern popular act of the day and just said, oh, let's get these guys to do it. It wasn't an interest of who can do this well. It was just, oh, people know who fallout boy is. And I'm like, yeah. And so... in many ways though, when you think about it with the reaction that this movie's had with the fact that, you know, that that people have hated it because the trailers look terrible and they and 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 everything else and with the the backlash that the that the director and now the executives are continuing to throw which is that you just don't like it because women right it, this song in in many ways is a fitting reflection of how this movie has been i think because people are upset because it looks like a bad movie that's going to take a revered franchise and and is made by someone who has no idea what made the original good and right. when you look at this theme song compared to the original, I'm like, you know, that kind of fits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like they're just doing everything in their effort to say, all you old fans, we don't like you. Like, Well, and truth be told, you know, they probably, the, the old fans, that what they were hoping is that they get some of the old fans through brand recognition, but they're trying to make this movie appeal to another generation of people. I personally think it's going to appeal to neither oh yeah. and i really hope so if this movie doesn't tank i kind of have like i don't have a lot of faith in hollywood and the movie going public as it is because transformers movies continue to do so well but if this movie actually makes money i'm just gonna be you know like, what you know at, what? at least tried and we failed nuke yeah. the planet we're done okay <laughs> at least transformers has peter cullen yeah, yeah, I guess it does. Like at, at least like you can see uh with Michael Bay, you can see that I think he at least he knows that the Transformers are thing. He knows what Transformers are and he tries at least to put little things in that would make some of the older fans happy. A little nod here and there. Yeah. And this probably this probably will too, because uh, like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray are actually going to have cameos in this. Though the rumor is they did it because they were like legally obligated to. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it's like they're gonna have those little nods, but they're gonna be done in such a ham-fisted, you know, hey, remember these guys kind of way that it's just gonna it's gonna feel like really horrible pandering. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, I, I I don't know, like, hey, if the movie comes out and, you know, critics like it and critics don't just like it, you know, don't don't just give it a good review to spite people, which I know some of them are going to do. Oh, uh, yeah. But if this movie comes out and gets decent praise from critics that I trust, like, yeah, I'll, I'll you know, I'll watch it. I'll well, give it its due for sure, but yeah. I'm not convinced that's going to happen. <laughs> but like, okay, James Rolfe, uh, angry video game nerd. 
yes. he sat down and he did a, a vlog thing saying, hey, you know, mm-hmm. here I, I'm not going to watch this movie. And here are the reasons why I don't think I'm going to be interested in it. I'm just not going to watch it. I'm not going to do a review on it. I'm yeah. not interested in it. Oh, and, man, the shit he took for that. Oh, God. And, like, all of his points were valid. And he literally, the whole gender element of the movie, he literally only brought up once in the middle and not in any kind of derogatory way. He was just uh, he was just pointing out that, you know, the main way they're selling this movie is that it's Ghostbusters that has women in it. And he's not wrong. That's what they're yeah. doing. That's the only part he touched on it, but the amount of of outrage he took for you know being every you know every type of uh, uh, person hater that he could be you know for that, I was just like, and just because he said, I'm not going to review it because I don't think I'm going to like it, and he basically said he's not going to review it because of all the storm around this and his reverence for the original that he doesn't think he can review it fairly. Yeah, and I mean I couldn't either. Like I'm no. I'm going to go, if I go watch it or if I if I watch it afterwards, I'm going to go into it jaded, already not going to like the movie. I'm going to be like, yeah, this this would be better if it was Bill Murray, if it was Harold Ramis, who sadly is, you know, passed away two years ago. Um, and the real annoying thing about it is that people, the, the what I was hearing is that, and I don't know if this is true or just rumor, but the the apparently... Before Harold Ramis suddenly passed away, they were very, very close to finally getting like Dan Aykroyd's Ghostbusters 3 with the original cast actually greenlit and ready to go. And then when Harold Ramis passed, that whole thing kind of fell apart. And that's so bloody sad if that's true. (laughs) And part of it has to do with Bill Murray is that Bill Murray really just... um, like he he I don't know how he is in real life, but he seems kind of like a uh, a jerk in real well, life. Well, he's very very yeah, he's very very particular, and you know he makes his decisions not based around who they're going to bother, which I respect to a degree. Yeah. But he also said that he just really didn't want to. He just said he doesn't want to do Ghostbusters three. And Dan Aykroyd said, and I applaud him for this dedication. Dan Aykroyd has repeatedly said, "Well, if we can't have Ray Venkman, we can't do this because it's not going to work." Right. Uh, and and I and mean, Bill Murray just said, "I don't want to do it." And I mean, hey, he doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. But yeah, exactly. It, it is a little weird that that he uh, was so steadfastly against it. But anyway, let's uh, move on to actual video game stories. And I just posted, mm. uh, we were talking about it beforehand, uh, No Man's Sky. Now, No Man's Sky releases August 9th, I want to say. I think that's its current date, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was supposed to release also, five days Also, don't say Sky ago. too many times because we might, we might end up owing money, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, now, in, it was supposed to release five days ago. It was supposed to release uh, June 21st. But mm-hmm. due to some legal issues, they were unable to. I, I think so. I think that part of the reason why they moved back uh, is they were still in a legal battle with Sky Entertainment or Sky News or whatever. Sky Television, yeah. Yeah. So uh, over in the UK and Europe and all that, which apparently UK is not part of the European Union anymore. Well, it is, but they said they don't want to be, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, the whole <laughs> Brexit thing. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so over, you know, across the pond, they have uh, Sky. So Sky is kind of like Fox, I would imagine. 
They're uh, yeah, they're part yeah. of uh, they're part of Rupert Murdoch's company actually. So they're kind of like the UK's Fox. They're yeah, they're yeah. a big TV network. Yeah. So like, there's Fox, and then there's Fox News and Fox Sports, and same thing with Sky. There's Sky, Sky News, Sky Sports. They have a bunch yeah. of different outlets, and so they apparently own the word Sky. And so when No Man's Sky was announced, it Sky started doing a legal battle with No Man's Sky, and it was just a huge clusterfuck. And they finally, uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, got over this legal battle where they can legally call the name No Man's Sky. So what it seems like is that the the developers of Mo- No Man's Sky put the game on delay so that way if they had to do any rebranding or anything like that they didn't say that specifically but i i would wager just because it was such a short delay i'm guessing that that's what it was that they were expecting to get a judgment by a certain time and then it got held up or whatever and and they were like that because the uh sean murray from hello games came out last week and said you know yay we finally got this settled and it turns out the only reason we hadn't heard about this before is because of the nature of the trial that was going on he was legally unable to talk about it happening right. so he had to stay quiet until the thing ended and he was like yay we can you know this company owns the word sky but we now have permission to use the word sky in our in our title and i was just like Oh my God! Burn trademark law to the ground because what the hell? Like, well, it happened. So it happened uh, a while back with uh, Notch, Notch, the guy who yeah, made scrolls, Marcus yeah. Pearson or whatever. Person, yes, per- person, and yeah. he was developing a game called, I believe, Scrolls. Yeah, and he decided, or or. The Elder Scroll pe- Scrolls people, I would just assume their legal team. Like, when, yeah. when you Bethesda when you... ended up suing him, basically yeah. saying you can't use this word. And because uh, the problem with trademarks, right, as I understand it, is that if you have a trademark and you don't vigorously defend it against anyone and everyone, you can lose it. Yeah. Um, so which that's is why they were so dickish about this. And yeah, he ended up settling with them too. And, um, I think he changed the name of the game, or he just never released it. No, no, no did. they did release uh, it. Yeah, came out, and then the game got shut down because Hearthstone kind of ate its lunch. But uh, no, they settled. They were actually able to call it Scrolls. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, they probably like licensed out the name or something like that. And I'm you, sure they paid for it. <laughs> I always think when I when I'm thinking this, like people, like we could say all the crap we want about how you know, that's stupid that Sky Entertainment did that. And it is. But, mm-hmm. like, I always, you always have to look at, like, it's probably just the lawyers doing it. It's not the the people who work for them. They couldn't care less. Like, the, no. the news anchors, and they couldn't care less about it. But whatever so i mean the, uh, bigger, the bigger commentary on the issue is the is what it says about trademark law itself like the fact that they had to do this or risk losing their trademark like okay if somebody was coming out and trying to do, to create a competing tv network that had the word sky in the name or even a even if you want to stretch it out a competing tv show or something like that that had the word sky in it i maybe yeah. could kind of understand that but like not only is this a medium that has nothing to do because Sky doesn't make video games, so this has nothing to do with their business at all. It's like there is there is no ambiguity. Like it is so impossible to confuse No Man's Sky for anything involving Sky Television 
And I'm like that they were still forced to vigorously defend their trademark, even in term, even with that context is just nuts to me. Yeah, I don't I don't understand it, but um, it's and I understand I do understand kind of because you could have a situation with um, and it's a little different, but with DC and Marvel with Captain Marvel and Mm -hmm. where a trademark is lost and somebody sees that and instantly creates something with it. So, uh, Captain Marvel, all, any comic book you find that's Captain Marvel comic book that's a DC, uh, A, it's either really, really old and you should probably sell that, or B, it's called Shazam. Uh, because they can call him Captain Marvel within the comic book, but they can't put it on the, the title of the comic book. It's retarded. Mm. So he is called Captain Marvel, but you'll always, like, if you play a video game, um, like, there was that DC Universe uh, MM, uh, MOBA game that came out. And oh, yeah. he was called Shazam in that. Or if you see a TV show, he'll be called Shazam. Or the movie that's coming out is called Shazam. But <sighs> within the comic book, he can still be called Captain Marvel. Like, that's just... That's so asinine. <laughs> yeah. Because they lost the trademark or copyright or whatever. And Marvel grabbed it and made their own Captain Marvel called Captain Marvel. So if... <laughs> so every few years, just to keep it going, they have to make a comic book. A really, really bad comic book called Captain Marvel. Yeah, and, and they are just... all terrible, but yeah. they keep it going just so they keep that trademark. It's retarded. Yeah, that is just I, I I don't like I don't understand what like I'm sure when trademark law was originally created and structured this way, it obviously didn't think about things like this happening. But and it obviously had some good intention in mind at the time. At least I assume it did. But I can't. Right. I would love to know what the motivation was for structuring it this way. It's, it's, it's just so strange because even patent law, you know, and there's all this stuff in the news about patent trolls and everything, even patent law isn't this rigorous. Right. You know, it, it, it's only with trademarks and it's, I mean, yeah, the fact that people can trademark such generic words to begin with is, is kind of its own problem, but, but right. also just the fact that you have to defend it even in completely unrelated contexts, because it's not just a pain in the ass. Obviously the biggest, the bigger problem in this is for hello games. Cause they're the tiny indie dev with not a lot of money, but you know, sky, how many, you know, thousands of dollars did they waste for no good. Did they have to waste for no good reason too? Right. It's just seems like a, it just seems a total waste all around. Right. I, uh, I'm pretty sure that after this game releases, they are not going to have a little bit of money. Well, I, I mean, yeah, one, one, I hope the game's good enough that they, that they do succeed, but even so, right. It's just, it's money that both companies could have spent on any other number of better things than, than, you know, paying a, a lawyer to defend a, the, this type of frivolous nonsense. Right. Exactly. But, uh, mm. let's move on just a little bit. Uh, another legal battle to go into. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. years ago when the PlayStation three first came out, they allowed you to install other operating systems which was a big sell for a lot of people so you could take the playstation 3 and put 
like Linux distributions onto it, or or if you could figure it out, you could put Mac OS or or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could basically create your own little computer with your PlayStation Three. There was a patch that came out, um, three point two one, and that was in two thousand ten, so six years ago. Um, yeah. wow, that was a long time ago. I remember really that happening was. too. Anyway, yeah. So almost six been years ten ago. years since the bloody console came out. <laughs> yeah. So nice. six six years ago, they took away that ability, and there has been a legal battle ever since. So there are people who, um bought the console just to put another operating system or that was one of the features that they wanted to use. And so for every person who's been impacted that, uh, you can get a $55 compensation and there's some caveats to that. And we'll talk about this or you can get $9. Um, so basically it's $55 if you, uh, had actually used the product if you have actually installed another operating system onto the PlayStation 3 and can prove it, or just because you have one, they'll give you $9. So I'm getting $9, probably, maybe. Uh, but let, let's say, let's see if we I can find, I know it's under this. So whenever this is settled, users will be notified by email. If you want the $55, you have to attest under oath to their purchase of the product and installation of Linux, provide proof of the purchase or serial number, and PlayStation Network sign-in ID, and submit some sort of proof that you use the other OS functionality. You know what really sucks is I could have qualified for the $50 too because I had a launch PS3 and I did put Linux on it once just to see how it was yeah but that launch PS3 died a couple of years ago and is long since gone now so I don't have that serial number damn it dang it um (laughs) and then and then but and then um but it says provide proof of their purchase so do you have proof of the purchase though oh I might in a file folder somewhere I'd have to check like if you if you even had um like a not a receipt, but if you had a, a bank statement showing how much you paid and everything. Maybe? Yeah, that's when I bought that. It would have been two banks ago and like six oh. credit cards ago. So yeah, probably not. But yeah, yeah. it'd be it'd be tough. But uh, uh, but, but anyway, still, that would have been all right. <laughs> but uh, so the other the nine dollar claim is much easier. You have to have known about the other OS, rely, relied upon the other OS functionality and intended to use it at some point um, and may attest that he or she has lost value and or desired functionality or was otherwise injured as a con- consequence. Injured? Well, they mean monetarily. Yeah, but yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, God, I cut myself while I was trying <laughs> to install this. <laughs> Uh, as a consequence of firmware update 3.21 issued on April 1st. That's that's a pretty good time. 2010. Uh, but yeah, so uh, good news to any PlayStation 3 owners. You can at least get $9. Um, I guess, I'm man. presuming any... This was six years ago this happened. Who in their right mind keeps... There's like... There's that one person out there that's like, Yes! My day has come! My Justice saving, has been served! My saving yeah. every single receipt I've ever gotten... 
has has yeah, finally. I, I would love to know. I mean, they're not going to say, but I would love to know that by the time this settlement fund is emptied, I would love to know how many actual fifty dollar payouts happened. Yeah, that would be nice. I know. There's that one guy that's going to do that and be like, yes, and then go to his, like, drawer where he keeps his receipts, and his wife's going to be like, oh, I threw all that away. God damn it! Damn it! That was a video. You cost me 50 bucks! Yep, $55. Or, yeah, 40, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's $55. Um, I don't know, it, it seems this might only be... In I don't know where this would be. Would it be just in the United States? It doesn't say. Yeah, there's been class actions before that where that uh, the judgment has gone to other countries too. But there's like extra steps involved if you want yeah. to uh, do it. I'm not sure, but I'm sure it says somewhere. But uh, I'd forgotten that there was even a lawsuit over this thing. To be honest with you, over that issue. I, I mean, I remember that the. The guy who brought down PlayStation Network, a few, you know, did the big hack a few years ago and whatnot, did it apparently, you know, his motivation for it was them taking that function out. That was sort of his reason for doing it. But uh, I'd forgotten that they'd actually been been sued over it, too. But uh, I, it's funny. I tried the I, like I said, at one point, I tried it just to be like, oh, it would be cool to put Linux on a game console. But uh, I always find it funny, these people who talked about it as some kind of grave injustice or whatever because like linux ran like garbage on the ps3 like you oh did it use oh it was terrible because the ps3 because it, it, it wasn't able because of the way the cell processor was architected it was only able to use like one small portion of it and the disk io bus on the ps3 was slow as dog crap as well so it ran it ran terribly like it took like four minutes to boot and it always ran out of memory because it only had like it only had access to one of the SPUs, so it only had access to like one CPU core and like 256 megs of memory, like half of which was used by the OS. So you couldn't do anything of use with it. Like no one was buying PS3s to use as like specialized Linux machines. Like it was a total waste of money to do that. You could buy a, a low-end computer and do a way better job. Right. Uh, and that was one of the one of the reasons they got rid of it. Well, there was two reasons they got rid of it, which is was that people had, were using it to exploit to pirate games but also just because like almost no one was using it and they were having to devote development resources to keeping it running. And they were like, like it was kind of a dumb thing for them to implement in the first place because yeah, it, it wasn't really ready for any kind of public use. And then, yeah, no one really used it, but the people who did were the most vocal about it, obviously. Oh yeah. But um, it, it, it was an interesting thing to do, but it had no real use. Yeah. But you could have got $55 out of it. Well, and that's useful. $55 can buy lots of useful things. Yes, like new video games. <laughs> you know, I, really? I just realized looking at all of our stories, every mm -hmm. single one of them has to do with the, the similar topic. They're all legal sort stuff, yeah. kind of. Yeah. So kind of. Yeah, but, legal stuff or, or something that could turn into legal stuff. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. God, that's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> the next one we have to do, the next one we're going over, is something we actually spoke about. This was a while ago. We spoke about uh, Vivendi used to own uh, Activision. Activision, Blizzard, all of them. Uh, and Vivendi... Yes then let Activision buy itself back for $8 billion. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like slavery. 
you know, eight the, billion dollars they desperately needed at the time too. Apparently, that's yeah. why they sold them. Oh yeah, so they're they're kind of like slave owners. They you know they had Activision, they had Activision working out in their fields, and then they would pay the the Activision, and or the slave, and then eventually after they got enough money, Activision was able to buy their freedom. Right. <laughs> and now, Vivendi is slowly trying to turn Ubisoft or Ubisoft into their slave. Yeah, basically, they're trying to ho- they're trying to do uh it looks like they're trying to do uh a hostile takeover of the company, which is basically they're slowly buying up enough uh a uh, stock in the company that they can get a seat on the board and then over time hopefully influence the rest of the major shareholders to sell their stock to them, which basically means that they will take over Ubisoft even though the current ownership and the board doesn't want them to. Um, it's it, They basically did this with Gameloft already, which was Gameloft was actually a company that Ubisoft used to own a big chunk of that they then sold, but it was actually founded and run by uh, the brother of Eve Gimo who runs Ubisoft um, and Vivendi swallowed them up. And yeah, they're trying to go after Ubisoft now, but Ubisoft doesn't want that because Vivendi... Uh, one, they just want to remain independent in general, but two, because Vivendi has notoriously mismanaged almost every attempt they've been. That, that they, they've tried to be in video games several times, and every time they've done it, they've basically done a horrible job of it. Yeah, and then they lose money. And they have yeah, to have they lose money on it, and and now yeah, they sold Activision, which actually was very very profitable for them. That's why they were able to sell it for eight billion dollars because. Activision was actually extremely profitable and they sold off Activision because at the time they desperately needed the money. Now, I guess they don't desperately need the money anymore, but now they're, yeah, they're trying to get back into video games. And Eve Gimo has said pretty, pretty much, you know, straight up that, yeah, these guys will, will, will screw up everything if they get their hands on us. Right. He's trying very hard to convince people to not, (laughs) Uh, apparently, I missed the Ubisoft press conference at E3, but apparently he had like a big sequence at the end where he had like the whole like a whole massive team of Ubisoft employees comes out and he's like, you know, we're a creative family and everything else. And we are we are best when independent. Like it was a very big like for the love of God, don't let these guys buy us kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, now Vivendi has 20.1% of Ubisoft shares. And 17.76% of its voting rights. Now, this confuses me. Um, To me, it appears that Ubisoft put literally all of their company into their public branding or whatever. So, like, 100%. Like, if you had enough money, you could buy 100% of the stocks and have full control of the company. I don't know if that's true. Maybe they have now. I know the the Gimo family used to own like a chunk of them. Like it wasn't enough to avoid a takeover. Like I don't know if Ubisoft is one hundred percent public shares, but it's public enough. Yeah. That that one company could buy you know at least fifty one percent, which is all they need to to have full control of it and right. do whatever they want. See and um. So and... technically they could do that, but I guess I was also hearing on a podcast that I guess. French law, because they're they're a France company, I guess French law prohibits Vivendi from doing that, at least right away. Like, they have to do, 
I think I think it forces them to to undergo a certain number of steps and processes that will be uh, to, to basically try to make this an amicable thing for a certain period of time before they can just go, all right, we're buying the whole thing. Screw you. Like they have to do a slow buildup, I guess. Yeah, that, so uh, so they have to buy like five or six percent at a time. Yeah, and they have to like try to convince other shareholders more amicably. They they basically have to try a certain number of steps to make it an, a friendly takeover to turn it into a friendly takeover instead of a hostile one. Uh, but they can they only have to do that for so long, and then after that point, they'll be able to to you know force their will on the issue if they want. But uh, right. But what people are saying is that I guess Ubisoft's play right now is that they're trying to hold off um, this as long as they can because, you know, as the company gets more and more profit and therefore gets bigger, it makes it harder for them to do that. So it looks like they're maybe trying to hold off for to try to hold them back for another year or so until they can get like this year's big releases out and next year's next uh, early year's big releases so that they can in it that they will hopefully all do well and make them big enough that it takeover doesn't make financial sense basically well and they are yeah they said at the end and it said however as a backup plan um the owner or whatever uh, i can't say that name gulamon gimo gimo yeah oh it's, yeah it's french isn't it yeah uh, yeah, I don't know how to speak French. Gimo. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, it looks like Guillemot. Anyway, it does. Gimo. Um, he said as a backup plan, he's entertaining the idea of a merger with a gaming or tech company, just not Vivendi. Yeah. So he is, he, he very... is convinced that he is. Con he's not. It looks like he's not about. Uh, he's not opposed necessarily to to selling the company. He just does. He just thinks that Vivendi is a horrible suitor, which. Based on their history in gaming, I would say it's probably true. Yeah, it sounds about uh, right. Um, yeah. Let us let's move to the last one. Uh, this is the one that we were uh -huh. talking. It could have turned into something uh, legal, but not really. So we actually spoke about this a month or so ago, too, or a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, the Oculus Rift putting DRM on their games, which for some, so what people were doing was they're taking the Oculus Rift, Rift games. And then using the HTC Vive with the Oculus Rift games. So Yeah, ones that were locked to exclusivity to the Rift, yeah. Right. So um, Oculus developed a DRM that made it so that the people who owned a Vive couldn't do that. That way yeah. they you know, they could remain exclusive, but it also broke some stuff. Like it, the DRM as usual breaks everything. So, uh, recently, Oculus kind of saw their way and uh, was like, no, and they took it off. Uh, and they, they just removed the DRM. Yeah. So Basically, that's good. Basically, it is, as I understand it, because what happened was Revive, which was the program that lets you uh, use these exclusive games on uh, a Vive, I guess what ended up happening is when Oculus implemented the DRM that like forcefully restricted you out of doing of using that, the guy rewrote the application, but he said, yeah, the only way I can make this work is to strip out their DRM, which now means it's dead simple to pirate Oculus store games. 
Oh, um, yeah. And he basically went, I didn't want to do this, but Oculus forced me to. And I think Oculus basically went, well, our option now is either remove this thing or leave it in and have a bunch of people stealing games because they hate us. Yeah, there was... Uh, um. And, and and that's actually kind of honorable about the guy. Like, he didn't want to strip out the DRM. He didn't want to make it so that people would just pirate the game. He just wanted to make it that they could play those games on the Vive. So, yeah, and he said straight up, he's when he said, I have to strip out this DRM, it's the only way to work, but please don't use this to pirate the games. That's not what I want people to do with this. Yeah, he just now, wanted I mean, it so you, you can, can say that, and it doesn't mean you know, it doesn't mean anything, but still, yeah, he had a virtuous intent. And you know, I think locking the games to one headset is ridiculous because that's essentially it's not like a console exclusivity, you're essentially locking exclusivity to what is effectively a monitor, right? You know, and you know, uh, which is stupid, but yeah. So I'm still probably, I'm going to probably get a rift at some point this year. Um, it's okay. either a rift or a vibe for me and I don't have enough space for a vibe. So. Yeah. I mean, you can use the vibe in sort of the normal way too, like the normal ways you would use a rift. I, I had basically when, when Oculus had done this DRM thing, I'd basically said, well, they made my decision for me. I'm not buying one of those anymore, but um yeah, it's a friend of mine actually has a Rift. He got his pre-order. He was one of the people whose pre-order got delayed, but he got it uh, about, I guess, almost two weeks ago. And um, he was really, you know, ticked off about this this DRM thing too. But he said, he said also it makes sense for them to do this because now what they've done is they've made it so that people with Vives can buy games off the Oculus Store, which still makes them money, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, like, um, yeah. so. And technically, the people that are, are doing that aren't doing anything illegal. So um, nope. go go way back. They're encouraged to, in fact, <laughs> to right. do that. Right. Go way, mm. way back to PlayStation 1 and the Sega Dreamcast. Mm -hmm. Do you remember Bleem? Oh, yeah. I do. So there were three games released for the Bleem cast thing. Um, and what it was was... Uh, it was basically a disc that you put in, and it said, okay, we loaded up Bleem, and then there were three games. There was The one that I can remember was um, Metal Gear Solid. So it mm -hmm. said, okay, you put in the disc for, that you bought for the Dreamcast, and then you bought Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation, and you put in the Bleemcast disc into the Dreamcast. It loaded up and said, okay, now put in Metal Gear Solid. You put in Metal Gear Solid... And you were able to play that PlayStation game on the uh, Sega Dreamcast. It was literally an emulator, but on a console. Yeah, and they yeah. like they added like higher textures, and they had um, they had a bunch of really cool stuff. So they added higher higher textures. I think they had a higher resolution on the um, on the Dreamcast one. Just made it actually play a little bit better. And yeah. Sony, for every single game that they came out with, there are three games that they came out with, uh, they would go to court over it. Even though in the previous, the, the, it should have been Double Jeopardy, in my opinion. But they just mm. kept, Sony kept taking them to court, and Bleem didn't have enough money to keep going. To yeah, keep they going got, to they court. got slaughtered. So, but they won every single lawsuit. Yeah, they did. And it's it's my theory 
that if they if somebody does something like that, if you lose the case, you should have to pay the other person's legal bills. Well, and in many cases, yeah, and in many cases, that's 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 how it works. Yeah, right. It's uh, yeah. No, it, it's interesting. Like, it, yeah, it, it shared some similarities similarities to this. I I can't remember. With that Bleem thing, I seem to remember the argument being that they had reversed engine, like reverse engineered, copyrighted, or or you know intellectual property in order to do the emulator. Which, I mean, that's why emulators have always been kind of a gray area because they're essentially, you know, reverse engineering and copying somebody else's code. Right. But uh, yeah, like I always thought, because because that was the thing is. Uh, and this is what my friend was saying about this Oculus thing is he said, yeah, it's like, it makes more sense this way because now they can, that they're, he said, I think their theory was that if they locked games to the Oculus store, I mean, this is why console exclusives happen, right? Is that they hoped they could sell, uh, more Oculus rifts by saying, Hey, we've got this, uh, these games that you can only play over here. Don't buy a vibe buy our thing instead. And what happened, uh, you know, what happened instead was that uh, a lot of people went, well, okay, if you're not going to let me do that, I'm going to go buy a Vive. And also Valve announced not too long ago that they were going to um, come out with a new funding program where they were going to help developers make uh, new VR games. And they specifically said, we will not require them to be Vive exclusive. Right. Uh, and, as a and, result, even though we're giving them money to make the games. Yeah. And they said um, they don't, I don't even think, I think they said it doesn't even have to be on the Vive. Yeah. Like, they you, just wanted, well, they want to be essentially what Palmer Lucky originally said Oculus was going to be like, which is that we don't really want to directly compete with these guys right now. We need to work together to make VR, main, you know, mainstream popular first. Then we can worry about that stuff. Right. Which they have largely backpedaled on ever since coincidence, I'm sure, that Facebook bought them. Um, but the thing that that my friend is saying is he said, yeah, they, they would rather sell more riffs, but they know that this program is going to hurt more than help. So now they're going to say, hey, got a Vive? Come buy stuff from the Oculus store and they can make money off of that. And I mean, just like consoles, hardware is not where they make the money, right? It's selling you the games to play on it. So yeah, yeah. ultimately, I, I think this is the smarter move. I think it was a really dumb thing for them to do. And I hope they've learned something from that and that they won't end up trying a stunt like that later. But uh, we'll see, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I would originally said, no, I'm not touching Oculus now because of that. Now I, I'm more interested. But if yeah. I get one, it'll be when the touch controllers come out. Yeah, I'm. Uh, the touch controllers look really awesome. Uh, yeah. I want to get one just because I what sold me on it was actually the Ubisoft conference with oh. uh, the Star Trek game that's coming out for it. Bridge Commander, yeah. Yeah. I that lo I'm just like, um, all right, I'm getting this. And and people were talking about the game being ugly and I'm like, I don't care. It could have SNES graphics and I would still mm. want to get this frigging game. Yeah, it, so, uh, yeah. A game like that is just more about having that experience. I I don't necessarily care what it looks like. Exactly. So, uh, it looks serviceable. Like the the graphics look serviceable. Like you can tell who everyone is. It just doesn't look like, you know, it doesn't look like a triple A title or anything, which it probably isn't. No. To be fair. No, um, it's an experimental game. So. So anyway, we are pretty much done with this podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. we've, we've gone, gone on for about an hour. I do thank you for yeah. being here. Parallax abstraction. Yeah, no, my pleasure. No problem. Yeah. Now we can find you at 
PX Abstraction on Twitter, PXA yep. Media on Twitter. Um, that's your news feed. So none of your personal yeah. stuff, just your. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's stuff. just news about my content postings and that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm PX Abstraction everywhere else on YouTube yeah. and Twitch. Right. Um, I am. This at... mighty number nine video has 27 minutes to rent left to render as we're speaking, but then that's going to be going up. And uh, I have a bunch more. Uh, uh, I'm going to be trying to do some more videos. I've got several different things out that I want to cover. So Okay. And then yeah. you can find me at Reaton on Twitter, Reaton on Twitch, Reaton on YouTube, uh, ReatonEntertainment.com. Go on Wednesdays. Sadly, I haven't been getting a lot of people in there either. But Wednesdays from 5 to 8. I guess Wednesdays are just not a great day, but it's the only day I have free, really. So Wednesdays from mm. five to eight, I will be playing um, on the Green Man Gaming Twitch. So that's that's Pacific time. So uh, it would be eight to eleven your time. Uh, okay. I'll be playing the on the Green Man Gaming Twitch channel uh, and trying to get more people. I, I do get people in there. It's just not as many as I would like, and uh, a lot of people. So go to there and follow that because. Um, there's usually at least every day, there's at least one or two people who's going to be streaming on the green man gaming Twitch. So there's myself, there's uh Cosmo, the coder, there's, uh, Magna gaming. There's, um, she goes by something else on Twitch, but she's anti Tinkerbell in, in discord. There's a lot of people that, uh, are going to be streaming out. So at least a few hours a day, you're going to get somebody on Twitch streaming at random times. Cause, like, I'm from the United States, Pacific Coast, um, and then there's um, anti-Tinkerbells in uh, Ireland, and then, you know, a bunch of other people just all across the world are going to be streaming to this one channel. So you get a nice, uh, you know, variation of what people like. So uh, go there, follow that, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitch and YouTube, um, and we will be back with you next week. Bye. Have a good one, guys.